1: This was then-candidate Donald Trump a little over a year ago at the Republican National Convention. I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens. But President D- Trump has now done just the opposite. On the same day that he tweeted that transgender people would be banned from serving in the military, the Trump administration put itself in the middle of a major private employment case that would ban workplace discrimination against gays and lesbians nationwide. The Justice Department filed a brief urging the Federal Appeals Court in Manhattan to rule that a federal civil rights law does not protect employees from discrimination based on sexual orientation. The administration's stance challenges not only civil rights groups, but also dozens of major companies from Microsoft to Levi Strauss, who file briefs on the side of the employee, a former diving instructor who claims he was fired for being gay. Our guests are Michael Selmy, a professor at George Washington University Law School, and Anthony Kreis, a professor at the Chicago-Kent College of Law. Michael, let's start with the basics. What is the issue facing the Second Circuit under Title VII?
2: The issue, uh, which is one that has been coming up in a series of cases recently, is whether Title VII, the primary statute that governs uh, discrimination in the workplace and prohibits discrimination based on race and gender, national origin religion. The question is whether that statute, the prohibition on discrimination based on sex discrimination, extends to prohibition on discrimination based on sexual orientation. And there has been uh, two recent court of appeals decisions, and they have been split. And then this Second Circuit case is the most recent and becoming the most prominent of those cases.
3: Anthony, the... um in the you know in the past uh, courts had generally ruled hadn't they that that in fact sexual orientation was not protected by this law and that was because they said that Congress was a um, hadn't intended to cover it why has why have things changed
4: well I, I think a number of things have changed so um, of course the, there was a landmark decision um, a plurality decision from the Supreme Court in 1988 uh, called Price Waterhouse which uh, basically said that people who don't conform to gender norms and gender stereotypes have an action, uh, have a cause of action under Title VII. Um, and since then, we've had a, a tremendous uh, you know, groundswell of change in, in how we understand sexual orientation and how sexual orientation fits within the law, um, both in constitutional cases and statutory cases. And I think we've come to a better understanding that sexual orientation discrimination is uh, inexorably linked to sex, sex discrimination. Um, And so I think that the reason why the courts have been evolving on this issue is, in large part, just in um, our society's better understanding of sexual orientation and how sexual orientation uh, operates in people's everyday lives.
1: Michael, what is the argument the Justice Department is making? Well, the
2: Justice Department is making a relatively straightforward argument that employers have been making for some time, uh, and that is that the statute was not intended at the time it was passed in 1964 to uh, include sexual orientation as one of its prohibitions. Uh, and they also look at some of the uh, statutory language, although uh, that's not as clear-cut of an argument for them. but So their, their argument is mostly that this is something Congress should handle and Congress has considered over uh, the years, but has failed to include as part of Title VII.
3: So, Anthony, then, what is the plaintiff's argument that, in fact... And, and some courts have adopted it, I guess. But what is the plaintiff's argument that Title VII should cover discrimination against gay people?
4: Um, well, well, there's a couple of theories. There, there's, um, but I, I think the cleanest theory is that the text itself supports it. So, um, you know, the, the Supreme Court established a test which said that, you know, if the if a person an an employee is mistreated uh, for a reason that's only because of their sex, um, that that that's Simple enough, that's, um, that's sex discrimination. So if an employer mistreats a female worker because she has an intimate relationship with another woman, but they wouldn't mistreat her if she had an, uh, an intimate relationship with a man, um, that is clearly about her sex. Um, and so the, the text of, the, of Title VII supports her, her cause of action for sex discrimination.
1: Michael, another government agency, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, filed a brief contradicting the Justice Department, and the Justice Department said in its brief that the EEOC was not speaking for the United States. Who speaks for the government in this case as far as the Second Circuit's concerned?
2: Well, I have to say this was, to me, the most unusual part of the Justice Department's Brief that uh, the EOC filed a brief several weeks ago on behalf of the employees, and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is a uh, government agency, uh, and it's the agency that traditionally um, speaks in cases involving private employers. They have the jurisdiction over private employers, so. And it was the um, EOC that the court asked to for their views on this. But the Justice Department uh, did uh, come in uh, yesterday and made that claim that the EOC does not speak on behalf of the United States, and it's not at all clear then who they do speak on behalf of because traditionally they do they speak on behalf of the United States. So you have two government briefs and they are diametrically opposed. There is nothing in them. Uh, there is no commonality in them. And the theory that the Justice Department is now opposing is a theory that was developed primarily in the last few years by the EOC. It's a theory that's been around a while, but the EOC really got it going uh, in the last few years. So they are not just contradicting them in uh, briefs, but also the position that the EOC has staked out over the last few years.
1: We've been talking with Michael Selmy, a professor at George Washington University Law School, and Anthony Christ, a professor at the Chicago-Kent College of Law, about the Trump administration putting itself in the middle of a major private employment case by filing a brief urging the Federal Appeals Court in Manhattan to rule that the federal civil rights law does not protect employees from discrimination based on sexual orientation. Michael, what's unusual in the briefs in support of the plaintiff is that it's not just from groups like the ACLU, Lambda and the EEOC, but also from dozens of major U.S. companies across the spectrum, from Microsoft and Google to Lyft and Levi Strauss, even though this could lead to more employee lawsuits. How striking is that and how important to the Second Circuit?
2: I think it's quite striking. Uh, The brief uh, is that uh, argues for extending the law that would apply to these employers. So, uh, at least theoretically, it would subject them to potentially greater liability. Uh, But the employer's uh, clearly, and they uh, articulated very nicely in the brief, believe that it is in everyone's interest, including the companies, to provide protection for their gay and lesbian transgender employees that they believe it would make for a more productive workforce. Um, and it's also something that they all are committed to. Um, and my sense is that this brief is likely to have a strong influence on the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And ultimately, if this case were to go to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, uh, which tends to take uh, the views of the companies in these areas very seriously when they are um, advanced, and particularly in this situation where the um, companies would be potentially subjecting themselves to greater liability, something that is quite unusual for the companies to advocate for.
3: Anthony, on the other hand, the the Justice Department Uh, takes the position that really this is a question for Congress, that it it isn't covered by current law, and Congress has to decide whether or not this law should cover gay people. Do they have a point?
4: Um, So I think at the end of the day, um, you know, courts are well-equipped to handle issues of statutory interpretation. It is, um, you know, the duty and the prerogative of the judiciary to interpret the law and to say what the law is. Um, And it's, 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 true that Congress could make clear that uh, sexual orientation discrimination is expressly banned in Title VII, um, but just as um, efforts to expressly put that into law have, haven't made much headway, um, there hasn't been any effort to overturn current uh, the Highway decision from the Seventh Circuit which found sexual orientation discrimination claims are actual under Title VII. And I think that's in, that's exceptionally important to recognize, too. Um, and at the end, you know, at the end of the day, if the if Congress doesn't like these rulings um, that finds sexual orientation uh, discrimination claims are colorable under Title VII, they can come back and overturn the court's decisions um, with sta- with a, a statute uh, later on down the road.
1: Michael, civil rights activists are concerned that these activities, the last two that we've seen, that the Trump administration is trying to roll back protections that have been won by the LGBT community under previous administrations. Are they right to be concerned? It does
2: seem like there's reason to be concerned here. Um, and it, this is also uh, inconsistent with what the Trump administration has uh, said. Stated that they would be doing when they came in. Um, it's not surprising in the sense that their views are consistent with, uh, you know, many companies' views and also with conservative Republican views in terms of whether the law should be extended to protect uh, sex orientation. Uh, but I think there is grounds for concern here and probably in other areas too in terms of workplace protections that have been. Uh, gained over with the Obama administration, that this also indicates that the administrations can have significant uh, power uh, in just changing positions when they come into office.
3: Anthony, speaking of the Obama administration, one of the things that the Justice Department is arguing here is basically, if you kind of read between the lines, that the Obama administration and its EEOC kind of changed the way that the government had interpreted this law, and they're going back to the way it had been interpreted for years and years. Are they right about that?
4: I think I think the Obama administration um, had a kind of wait-and-see, generally, uh, approach towards this particular issue. But, of course, the EEOC's groundbreaking ruling in 2015 certainly changed the landscape um, on how LGBT rights uh, discrimination claims are, are viewed. Um, while it's certainly true that these types of claims and, and these types of arguments didn't have a lot of traction before the Obama administration – uh, came in the the you know um, at the end of the day, um, the law shifts over time um, and and we have better understandings of how the law operates and how the law should operate and I think that legal change is inevitable with changes in administration. so what the Obama administration did at ultimately uh, isn't extraordinary it isn't something radical, um, and I, I think it was an inevitable change that i I think will continue to gain traction and more success in in courts, federal courts across the country, despite the uh, Trump administration's position.
1: Michael, we've mentioned, and Anthony just did, that federal appeals courts have been divided on the issue. In April, the Chicago Court of Appeals became the first federal appeals court to rule that Anti-gay discrimination is illegal under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. And then in May, Manhattan's Federal Court of Appeals agreed to rehear this case en banc, with all the judges, that means, that had been tossed out by a three-judge panel. Does that give any inkling of how the court might rule?
2: Uh, I think in um, the Second Circuit case, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether the Supreme Court gets involved in one of the other cases before the Second Circuit has an opportunity to rule here. They, uh, they dismissed the case uh, based on prior precedent uh, in the circuit, and the only way that that could be reconsidered was by the full court doing so on bank. Uh, and uh, this the court may wait for this case because this is, case is getting a lot of attention, but currently there is a conflict in the courts because – Uh, While the Seventh Circuit did extend the law to protect uh, gays and lesbians and transgender individuals, uh, the Eleventh Circuit, which covers a number of southern states, uh, held to the contrary and uh, held uh, like the Justice Department is now advocating. So there is currently a conflict that the Supreme Court could take. Um, uh, But this this case in front of the Second Circuit, I think, is uh, likely to be the one that the Supreme Court will ultimately uh, address the issues
3: on. Well, Anthony, let's say the case does get to the Supreme Court. No matter what happens, there is going to be a circuit split here. What's likely to happen up there? Uh, Are we going to have another divided court with Anthony Kennedy making the decision?
4: Um, Well, (laughs) any controversial case is is probably one where Justice Kennedy is is the uh, deciding vote. Um, So there's two things. Of course, one, this presumes that Justice Kennedy is still on the court when this case uh, gets to the Supreme Court and if it gets to the Supreme Court. Um, I think Justice Kennedy's positions, which are generally favorable towards gay rights, is certainly um, a hopeful sign for the employee here. Uh, but even Chief Justice Roberts in, in the Obergefell oral arguments talked about sexual orientation discrimination and, and as a form of sex discrimination um, in, in the marriage case. So, So there might even be a chance to convince Chief Justice Roberts there as well.
1: Michael, I have little problem with my microphone there. Uh, Michael, let's just go over the implications beyond employment law. For example, implications in education of this decision and of a final Supreme Court decision.
2: Yes, the... Um The education law that uh, governs uh, uh, with respect to gender, Title IX, uh, the same issues are being addressed in uh, uh, colleges and also high schools and um, are also implicated in the the transgender bathroom issues that have been arising. So whatever is decided here by the Supreme Court is likely to have an effect on those education cases as well uh, in that... uh, If this case does get to the Supreme Court, I see these cases as largely an outgrowth of the marriage equality cases. And I think uh, for that reason, uh, uh, it seems to me likely that the Supreme Court may uh, side with the employees on this one and find that the statute uh, should uh, be construed to include sexual orientation as a – prohibition. But it's always hard to say, and Justice Kennedy um, may not be on the court at the time this case gets there. It just depends on the timing of both, um, you know, how long he stays on the court and how long these cases take to get there. But I do think that they're headed for the Supreme Court at some point.
1: It's great always to have you both on Bloomberg Law. That's Michael Selmy, a professor at George Washington University Law School, and Anthony Christ, professor at the Chicago-Kent College of Law. We're going to be going to President Trump live in just a few moments. He is going to be Giving a speech uh, to law enforcement on Brentwood,
0: Long Island. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.